when we first started and honestly even now we determine the value like we might i might ask a park manager like how much you selling your home for or how much you rent your home for and whatever he tells me i'm adding a premium price to that because i nice. we know we only need one person yeah. and and so we may consider them a cop you know we can say park are we competing with a park but in all actuality our guerrilla marketing tactic is just bringing in more people in, and we get people in faster sometimes in the parks Hey everybody, it's your girl Erica Williams from the Classy Climb blog. I'm a six-figure YouTube earner and the author of the book Smartphone Millionaire, how to lend to people, real estate, and businesses from the palm of your hand. And if you're interested in the three things that changed my life over the past four years to become a six-figure YouTube earner and investor in multiple properties in multiple states, I would love for you to join me over at the Classy Climb YouTube channel. Check out Blacker Pockets. Blacker Pockets is an online urban real estate investing community that teaches people the value of investing in the inner city. At Blacker Pockets, you have the ability to network with well known, seasoned inner city real estate investors such as Nita, Hood Estates, Charm City Buyers, and Todd Investments, where they'll be giving you tips, tricks, and strategies to successfully invest in the inner city. Check out Blacker Pockets on Instagram at Blacker Pockets. Want more money to pay off debt and increase your income? I'm Terry Egioma from Invest with Terry, and I teach an online course on how to invest in the stock market for daily or weekly returns. My seven step strategy saves you time and erases the guesswork from trading. With these seven steps, I've earned over 16,000 in a day without having a large account. Start big or small, these proven steps will increase your profits and decrease your losses. To learn more, visit itradeandtravel.com. Well, it's interesting to me because before we started investing, I always thought that doing what you guys do was a viable option. I just had never seen people doing it or talking about it or the people that you talk to about it, they make it seem like you can't or it's so affordable that you think that it can't be an opportunity there. I think sometimes we, if, if, if it's not expensive, we think it's not worth it. Right, and right. so um, people still struggle with that when I tell them what we do, because we invest in Detroit. Nice. And and the crazy part about it is we're buying homes and I'm from California, but we invest in Detroit. And so in California, you have track homes. In Detroit, you'll have a nice looking home. Across the street, you have a home that's been blown out. Yeah. But people will still rent that home. Yeah. It's crazy. It boggles my mind because it's like, I wouldn't live there. Right, 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 right. <laughs> yeah, so very cool. Let's kick it off. This is the Thai Capital Millionaire Podcast. This is episode number 95. My name is Charles Oglesby, also known as Thai Millionaire. I'm the founder and the director of the Thai Capital Investment Club that now has over 300 members, also the founder of Tide Acquisitions, which is our real estate investment club. We have a lot of real estate going on. I'm losing track, but we're finishing up a few properties going to be... Um, then going into finishing up more properties. So great things are happening. But one thing I always tell people is that we're getting great deals just by doing. So the more that we do, the more things that are coming to us. So our experience and opportunities beget more experience and opportunities. So that's just a push for you all to get out there and do something and not wait for the perfect plan. Don't wait for everything to line up. Just move the ball forward and things will find you. Uh, make sure you leave us a rating or a review, preferably a five-star review. We've been getting some really great reviews, so I appreciate those. Also getting a lot of really good comments. Keep everything coming, um, and hopefully um, this show is of value to you all. Thank you all for tuning in. The purpose of this podcast is to share the stories of successful African-American business owners and investors so that people can learn that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth. Today, we have a couple that goes by the Instagram name Mobile Home Elite Investors. I'm not sure what city they're out of. We're going to find that out soon, but um, his name is Byron Sellers and her name is Sharnese Williams. And here they're going to talk to us about um, just the great things they're doing in their community, um, the products they're launching, um, how they got started. So it's going to be a really cool show. I'm looking forward to just digging in and uh, finding more about what they do. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank, Thank you so you. much. Peace Glad to be here. So what city are you guys out of? Chicago. What you know what? I, I'm really I'm I guess I'm not that good with geography, but where is the Congo? Oh, oh no. Chicago. Chicago. Oh Chicago. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay. That's cool. Do you guys know um 
like real estate and chill. Um, I'm not sure of too too many other Chicago investors, but do you guys have like a cool network of Chicago investors out there? So now we're actually now, really growing. Yeah. Uh, it be, it before it was more so family and friends. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you hear about <clears throat> hear about a few, but now um, you know since we launched this. Uh, man, it, it, we have some great connections. A lot of realtors. I would say more, more realtors. realtors now. And so we're definitely, we can't wait to meet the investors and, you know, be able to share. Awesome. Awesome. So why did you guys choose real estate? What prompted that move? Um, well, really, uh, while we chose real estate, you know, at the time that we decided to start this, Byron was already on his entrepreneurial journey. I had just got laid off. So I was at the position where... At first, you know, just being transparent and honest, I was applying for jobs. I applied for over like 200 jobs, but I didn't get that interview. You know, unfortunately, you know, in today's society, it's more about who you know versus your credentials. So at that point, that really just pushed me. And it's it's amazing that you talked about starting out, talked about that fear, you know, just pushing past that fear. It's amazing for myself. I was able to do that and, you know, come to him and say, hey, let's do real estate. And the idea of mobile homes came from a similar platform like this, a podcast. We listened to a podcast on mobile homes and what really stood out to myself was the low startup cost, the low risk, the low competition. And I pitched it back to him and he was game. He was all ready to go. And so she said that you were on your entrepreneurial journey. What did that look like for you? So so um, I left my job back in March to, uh, 2017 and um, I've been in transportation for 10 years, from, uh, bounced around from a few freight brokerages. And uh, man, I, I actually, I, I was sacrificing all that time to be in real estate. And I didn't have the capital um, to right, get in it right. while fixing credit. And, um, you know, we had got to the point where we just kind of was like, man, we want to play in this game. We're going to classes, but we just didn't have the capital. And when we came across that, we realized how much capital we can have. We're like, okay. Like no, no BS. We got to do this right now. Mm-hmm. So, how did you get over that capital hurdle? Because I know a lot of people listen to this show, and that's their number one thing: is I don't have the money to invest. How did you get over that hurdle? Because we all have to get over that hurdle. Interestingly enough, after you get over the hurdle, it starts to kind of fuel itself. But the the initial phase is probably the most difficult hurdle. How did how did you guys do it? The first thing we did when we realized, okay, we, we first put up our funds and we still, we was like, okay, we're a little short. So we was like, you know what, let's take the risk. Let's go get some money. So we went and got a high interest loan, um, 20, 22% loan um, for just 10,000. We was like, okay, well, let's take this risk. Let's start small. Uh, we're able to get that. And we just really, we just dug in right away. So honestly, we, I mean, we got, I got a lot of no's at first, a lot of inquiries, but I was determined because I said, I know I'm going to be get this stuff fixed. Well, you know, somebody's going to tell us yes. What kind of stands out to that is you have a, an interest rate of 22,000 or 22%. How did you make the deal work with interest that high? Our first home, I love that you asked that. So our first home, um, we actually were able to purchase two homes for $4,300. And I remember going into negotiations thinking like, um, like we, all together, I think at first the homes were going to be right at, actually two homes were going to be at 8,000, which yeah. is not bad at yeah, all. Right. Bad, yeah. And so I remember, I remember really to ask like, Hey, negotiate. And I was just like, uh, maybe I should ask about six. Shanice is like, Hey, no, ask him 43. He, she said 4,200. I was yeah. like, no, nah, I don't want to just disrespect them. So I was like, 4,300. And he said, yes. I was yeah. like, I told him, I'm, wow. I, just go for it. I said, the, the worst he could say is no. And <laughs> right. so I was amazed. Yeah, so wow. those two homes, that's what changed it because we listed both homes, one for 14, one for uh for 12.5. And each home, one home we sold, our first home we sold for 10. The other one we end up getting, um, uh, we sat on that one for a little bit longer. We got that for 9500 So one of them paid our loans and then we made profit. I like it. I like it. The reason why I asked that question is because I know what's possible. Yeah. When you, I, I feel like we look at stock market returns and think that that's what returns are supposed to be. And so you'll say like, oh, the average return is 12% in the S&P. But in business, you can get any return you want. In real estate, you can get any return you want. So you guys got like an infinite return, really, because you didn't use really any of your own money. 
one thing that stands out and one thing that I kind of drill in on this show is just the partnership aspect for one, but also the partnership when men and women work together, because I feel like it gives us that extra advantage when you work together, especially if you're working in the same business. And we've seen it multiple times in the show. We've seen it with Kendra. We've seen it with Triumph City Buyers. We've seen it with the Hood Estates. Like you get that, that partnership and there's, there's nothing really you can't do. So where did you guys go from there? What was the next steps? Yeah, so, I mean, at first, you know, we, we were excited. Um, so I, excited. I, I would say, you know, uh, like, what well, I sorry. So in, in our webinar, we always talk about an investor mindset. And so one of the things we did, of course, we went and took a trip. <laughs> <laughs> we went and took a trip. But we realized, you know, hey, okay, that's when we had to really switch. Like, hey, we got something going. We don't want to have to take another loan out. Exactly. Right. So our next deal was able to find a house for three grand um, and end up um, flipping that house for, for another 8,500. Mm-hmm. So we start realizing like, hey, this flips are yeah, like, they're coming and mm-hmm. we're getting cash. It's paying us. And all we need is just like, if we put another three grand to the side, we're going to get another house. Mm-hmm. And we start building momentum. We set our goals for two homes a month. Um, and we, I mean, we came very close to that. We slowed up towards the end because we started launching the educational program. But, um, I mean, that, that really gave us the momentum. It was being disciplined because don't get me wrong, even though you saw some, you know, again, they were smaller wins, but it was something that was just like, okay, we can't go, you know, go do this. Yeah. But it was just like, let's keep building. So that way, you know, we can kind of set up and we don't have to worry about, you know, stress and bills and all that kind of right. stuff. Right. And so when you say investor mindset, can you expand on that, that, that concept? Yes. Yes. So, I mean, the biggest thing with with an investor is, you know, you can't invest off emotion. And so for when I really hone in on an investor mindset is, it's really um, not only just the discipline part, but it's all about habits. Um, it's, it's, it's really, you know, being able to be, uh, be, be disciplined enough to take, to make your money work for you. Um, and I know for, that was a, that was a concept that both of us had to, um, you know, learn and, and kind of get that in order to really see the, you know, the, the fruit of our labor. Um, but yeah, I mean, to me, that's the most important aspect of any, <laughs> you know, any sector that you in when it comes to, you know, investing money in patience and you know really utilizing that time yeah I, I like one thing you guys said where you said hey we got this money we took a vacation but we realized like you have to adopt that investor mindset and that's one thing i try to tell people is and i don't really know the best way to phrase this but you gotta you gotta look at the bigger goal not the immediate goal and an investor they get money and they create more cash flow. They create more investments, and so I always kind of relate that to the game cash flow. Where in the game cash flow, you only win if you get the income to get out of the rat race. You don't win by getting money. It's not called get money. It's called cash flow. And so all your all your money has to be invested in cash flow. So we've accumulated some good rents just in the first three months of this of this year. And typically, what we would do is we'd give a distribution. But I'm saying, hey, we could give a distribution or we could take this large lump sum and buy another house while still keeping our other homes. And then we just have, we just add to that snowball. In another three months, we can buy maybe two homes. Another three months, we can buy more homes. And so the goal is how much rental income can we get? How much cash flow can we get? Not, oh, we got some money. Where are we going to spend it? And I think that, that that's the mindset that like, a lot of us has to de- not even in business, just not even just in business, but in your job. It's like if you have a job, you've been nine to five, like just because you get a bonus doesn't mean like, oh, cool. I need to take a trip. I need to go to Mastro's. I need to do this. So it's like focus on the long game. Can we talk about the homes? Because I heard you say the word home. Are these homes homes? Are these mobile homes? Um, what condition were those homes in? And, and what what kind of did those deals look like? You know, so great question. So yes, uh, mobile homes. Um, I tell people another word, manufactured homes. We always, for us, we want to change the stigma of trailer. Yes. So we don't use trailer at all. Yeah, because it's like, it goes along, you know, with the stereotypical and it, and it's, you know, it's more marketable. So, um, so the first, actually our first two deals, um, we got a home that was actually moving ready. We had, we didn't need to do anything to it. 
And then the other home we cut uh, out the deal, we ended up getting that for $500. So one home was 37, the other one was $500. Yeah. Uh, we only put, only put uh, a total of $3,200 into it as far as uh, rehabs. Mm-hmm. That was flooring. We put in like new toilets and paint, carpet in it. Um, it really, like, like her father calls it, just some makeup work. Yeah. Uh, and I mean, literally, like the, when you look at mobile homes, I love their their basic difference in a mobile home and a, and a regular stick built house is the fact that a mobile home is built in a factory and transported, but it's built to last. And you'd be surprised. Like our first home had a jacuzzi in it. Yes. And the more and more we do, we see how, you know, the mobile homes is actual, like, man, I mean, structural wise, mm-hmm. um, you know, how in it, energy efficient it just yeah. you know it's one of those slept on things and it really wasn't in our backyard but to really go out and start seeing these communities it's like wow yeah. yeah where are you guys finding these homes how do you guys find a home do you direct market or do you go to a listing service so great question so um majority of it is actually uh like social media you know mm-hmm. apps um you know i'll tell people well give out the gym of craigslist um even you know as far as the app like let go um, you know, you do every now and you might see some like on the ML, um, you know, MLS listings and things like that. But, um, for us it's honestly, we're at the point now we've been doing it where we're getting calls from park managers yeah. and saying, Hey, we got this free up. Do you guys want to jump on top of it? Or, you know, we got a list of, you know, old sellers who now want to sell their home. So now they're, you know, they, they're hitting us up, sending us emails. Hey, I got this home available. So, you know, it's just really over that time building that, that database um, right. of leads. Right, right. I think that's so key, man. A lot of the opportunities that people want out of the gate don't come to people who are just starting. You got to have a track record. You got to have a body of work. You got to have, I've done this with this person. And so they feel like, sometimes they feel obligated to go to you because they know you can perform. And they don't want to ruin their reputation. If they're going to give somebody a deal, they'd rather give it to you because they know you're going to take it from A to Z instead of saying, this new guy who thinks he knows what he's doing, has ambition, he's read all the books. Like, reading books is great, but action on top of the books that you read is going to get you where you need to go. So I think that's it's so cool that you said that because park owners are calling you like, hey, I have this. I know you guys are legit. I know you guys are going to do a good product. And those are the opportunities that people want out of the gate, but you're not going to get that until you take that 22% alone. And you got to, you got to kind of pay your dues. You got to, I mean, I'm not really big on paying your dues per se, but I feel like what I always tell people is there's a lot more value in the doing and the learning because that's where you're going to really get your skill set, which is going to allow you to do those things. And so everybody's like, I got to get rich that first six months. I got to get rich. And they don't realize like, now nah, you need to get rich in knowledge and that rich in knowledge is going to make you rich. So just invest that six months, invest that 12 months and you never know what you're going to do. So I want to talk to you guys about your team. How do you guys function as a team? Um, how have you seen that by working as a team that you've been able to do more and be more and grow more? Oh, so great question. So um, really it's, it's cool the way we bounce off each other. Um, I would say Sharnice, what I, what I love about Sharnice, Sharnice is able to, uh, and I don't want to say the word, like say dictate, but she's able to delegate things from a more, you know, I mean, literally cell phone, awesome, resource-wise, awesome. Like we need it, like, you know, hey, we need handymen. Um, you know, we need, you know, something where it's like source homes. Like she has that ability. My, me, I'm more the operational. Um, and we play off that, whereas we know we both don't have to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so for myself, I'm more operational. I'm more, ha- you know, hands-on with, you know, actually going out there. Um, and, and so that works. I think when we mm-hmm. first started, we were noticing, okay, when we start doing the same things, that was cool. But what we were able to amass when we both took start taking our, our separate roles and, um, man, yeah. It, it, yeah, it, it works cool, and, and it's funny because sometimes we're on the phone. If, even if I'm out on the road, we're on the phone the entire time just talking about it, and she's telling me, and, and you know, she's, she's the, I would say she's the lead magnet and, and, the, and the closer. Um, you know, all of our cash deals that we've done, like purely Chardonnay, she gets the cash buyers, and, and I mean, it's, 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 it's great, you know. Yeah, and that's just to bounce off him. Um, that's what I was going to say. When we first got started, 
Um, of course, you know, this was new to us as far as doing business, but then especially doing business together. So we had to really define those roles and be like, okay, you're going to do this. I'm going to do this. Let's come together and make this great. Yeah. I, I feel like sometimes people can feel like working with your family or working with your friends or working with your significant other is difficult. How have you guys been able to overcome those difficulties? So I love that. So, man, one thing I would say is when when we do, because we do clash, you know, we do clash and, and not in a bad, but the good thing is we always scale back and say, hey, look what we're clashing or look what we're disagreeing about. It's about business. So we do, we, we, we see that we're both passionate. We see that we both want this. So, and that helps us to kind of just not take it personal, you know, because mm -hmm. again, we, you know, we live together, we're in the same space. So that can, you know, kind of just the energy level can, you know, end up being thrown off. But it's really, we both look at like, you know, okay, you know right. what, this, this is for the business. This is good that we're actually, you know, not, you know, maybe disagreeing on this, you know, but at the same time, we know what we want best. We always say like, this is our baby. You know, mm -hmm. like this is this is a kid for us, and we're raising this kid from the very beginning, and we want to put it in the best shape possible. So, um, you know, that's that's one way we, for you know, that I look at it. Yeah, and for me, the biggest thing is really just keeping that separation. Like, you know, yes, of course, we we have a business together, but you have to keep that separate from still that personal relationship as well. And I think as long as you do that, then you definitely can work great together. What would you say was your best deal? Um, I think it was, we did a well. Honestly, I'm gonna say a long-term deal we did. Um, so we uh, our best deal we we have. So we got a, a buyer in right now in a home. Um, we were able. We structured the deal. Uh, we bought the home. We got that home for twenty five hundred. Um, so I, again, I'll, and I'll give it real like a basic um, how we kind of structured that deal. So we based it off what the local apartment rent is. And the parks, just like HOA, I mean, just like, yeah, condos, or they have HOA fees, right? It's called lot rent. So we normally have to split our margin with the lot rent. With this particular park, um, the lot rent was $350, and we were able to um, amass $550 a month from that deal, right? So equal to $900 a month that the person pays. So that $550 that we have, we put them on a, um, a five-year deal, and so we're going to be gaining $33,000 um from that initial investment nice. mm -hmm. yeah that kind of speaks to this this thing on your instagram that says mobile home investing is the highest cash on cash return of any form of real estate investing yeah. because you put in 2500 you get 33,000. that's like i lost count on how much of an roi that is oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, the numbers is amazing. Yeah, it's, it's over 800%, man. It's crazy. Right. Um, a lot of people have this assumption that if, that they can't rent mobile homes. They, they think that you have to be an actual owner of that home to live in that community. Um, is that something you've seen in certain parks but not in other parks, or is that just a misconception across the board? So, yeah, so it, is, it depends on the parks. And just mm -hmm. to really drop some gems, man, those are sometimes a lot of times the old mom and pop pops that's been you know they had their parks like 40 50 years yeah and i get it because they want to keep all money in house but but the good thing is in the last three years it's been a gold rush of um actual investors purchasing mobile home parks so we love it because now we make their job easier by coming mm -hmm. in and adding value to their park um so for us you know they'll come in and say hey i got some homes you know what can, can you what can you help us out um, and, you know, and do so for us, we see opportunity like, okay, like, you know, depending on what we can negotiate a house, I, we, we're really our first goal, even though we're able to flip houses cash, our first goal is to actually put people on payments for the long, for the long term. Like, because again, like you uh -huh. see, it's crazy. So, um, you know, you do get some no's, but like uh, we, on our webinars, we'll show like if you, in the average state, each average state has over you know, almost 500 to 600 mobile home parks. Mm -hmm. It's like Florida, almost 4,000 mobile home parks. You're in California. You have 4,000 mobile home parks in California. So wow. um, it's just so much opportunity. So those yeah. no's is like, okay, cool. We'll go on to the next one. Yeah. Yeah. You know what's interesting about mobile home parks is a lot of times you'll see them in really good areas. So like, I can't remember exactly where I was, but I was probably in like Irvine or Orange County, somewhere really nice. 
but like tucked away, you'll see a little mobile home park. Or we used to live in Corona, which is a pretty nice area. And then like, I didn't realize this, but like two streets over was a mobile home park. It's just kind of tucked away. They just do their own thing. Is that something you've seen in Chicago? And if so, is that kind of a way to hedge yourself into a, a good community, which would allow you to get like a good buyer, good tenant, while also being affordable? Yes, yes. So in the Chicagoland area, yes, there are some tucked, like a little bit on the outskirts. Um, but I mean, when I tell you like the, like, they got mobile homes with upstairs now, upstairs and downstairs. Like that blew my wow. mind. Yeah. <laughs> like, like That's really? Nice. Um, yes, I mean, seriously, some gated communities. And normally those communities for us, honestly, not to say they're not good investor parks, but we find our better deals in those. If I, if I had to grade parks like B, C grade parks, um, those A grade parks are sometimes the ones that really like, you know, that, that's fine, but um, you know, I have to buy a higher home. I can go buy a brand new mobile home um, for, you know, 40, 50,000 and, you know, possibly over time, you know, make about 70 grand, which is still great. But then it's like for us, it's like we honestly, we came up with a structure. Where we, we don't spend any more than 5,000 um, and, and that's all in. Like that's with everything, all of our expenses, 5,000. And we, we know that, you know, with that 5,000, we can at least get in the long run, the minimum 18,000. Um, you know, upwards to again, you see, you know, 35,000. I like it, I like that a lot because I think sometimes we glamorize investing and we think we have to go after the A class properties. We don't realize there's a lot of money to be made in C class, B class, B minus. Um, so yeah, I think that's really cool. What would, what would be your best advice for somebody looking to get into mobile home investing? Man, my best advice is educate yourselves. Like, definitely learn the business. Don't just hop out there. We get a lot of people now, especially like in our DMs, that's just buying homes but not doing their due diligence to actually communicate with the park. And now they're getting in a situation where they're stuck because the park don't allow investors. So that's really my biggest advice that I can give anyone that's looking to get started. Like, please just educate yourself on the business. Yeah, that too. And then knowing you, also just knowing your state's laws on it, because um, because a mobile home is a still is classified as a motor vehicle. Mm -hmm. So the laws right. are different than you know a regular traditional home. So um, again, just like you said, educate definitely educating yourself, but knowing the laws. Mm -hmm. And um, honestly, don't be scared to take the risk. Like if you're willing to yeah. go in a wholesale and you know market and spend you know a few thousand, you should be able to do the same and own an asset. Um, and, and, you know, just kind of being able to take that risk is a very low, low risk. Are you guys still able to find deals like you're finding? Well, when did you, when did you guys get started doing this? So February, 2018, like literally, 2018. yeah, we got, yeah. we got introduced to it January and in February we began. And you guys have done how many transactions in this last year? So 14. 14 transactions. Have you guys, have they all, well, I know that they all haven't been flips but how many of you retained and how many of you flipped of that 14? So right now uh, we have five in inventory, but right now we're actually taking them home back. So we're going to be at four, but we're going to put that one right back on the market. Um, so each one of those houses on the, on the average, we're bringing in 450 cash flow from each house. Well, well, that's another thing that I've noticed in low cost properties is the, the, the cash flow was a lot bigger. Yeah. A lot of people, what they'll do is they'll take on these properties with debt, and they'll rent it out and their margins would be like 200 bucks a month, hundred bucks a month. And it's like, who wants to make a hundred dollars a month? Like I can make a hundred dollars a month doing nothing. Like, 450, 500, that's what you really should be aiming for. And of course there's more risk. But one thing I tell people is you probably have more of an advantage in that community than anybody else outside of that community. And if you don't take advantage of that advantage, you're going to miss out on a lot of money. So um, one thing I realized is like all our tenants, they like look like like my cousin or my grandma and so it's like i know their situation like i'm not over here like oh what do you mean it's going to take you two extra days like I, I know how life can get sometimes and so it probably helps them but it also it gives us an advantage because we can really we know they're not taking advantage of us in certain instances and we know they might have some ups and downs in life we know like one one thing that i, I noticed um we have a tenant who her husband wasn't on the lease but she always refers to her husband. And at first I was kind of upset. And then I realized he probably has like maybe a criminal record. And so she didn't want him them to be disqualified for that. 
And so I was kind of mad, but I was like, if the rent comes and it's like, I, I, I want them to have a house because they have like two, three kids. It's like, I'd rather you guys have a house and have your kids than keep going around getting rejected because he did something bad in his prior life. And so like, we can empathize with that. I can empathize with that. Maybe everybody else can't. And so it's like, by not being the person to step in there and provide those opportunities, then we do our community of a disservice. And that's one thing I always try to tell people is like, if anybody is hiring people with a criminal history, it should be us. We shouldn't be out there like, please create some programs to hire our men. Like, we need you to hire them. Like, no, we need to hire and we need to create something to hire our own people. <laughs> like, um, let's talk about how, you know, what's interesting is we had a similar goal. Our goal was not to buy two homes a month, but to buy one house a month. Um, we didn't hit that goal. We ended up getting like six out of, um, out of the first year to buy and hold. But one thing I realized is in doing those six, it actually allowed us to do a lot more stuff this year. Um, and so like sometimes the process of pushing through a goal actually prepares you to do bigger things in the future. Can you talk about how your goals last year are allowing you to do things this year? Oh, man. I mean, like, so like I, the crazy thing about it, I'm going to be honest, is, and it's so, it's, it's so awesome. But so, you know, that was our goal to get two two homes a, a month. But now our goal, we, we have it on our board, October 31st, we want to actually create, uh, have our first park. And that seemed, at first seemed a little bit far-fetched, but the more and more that we're meeting new people, the more and more, I mean, it's just the network is growing. We're realizing that this is going to happen much faster. Like literally we got emails, we got emails uh, the other day, um, an investor, he wanted to sell us his park. Somebody jumped on our live from North Carolina. He had two parks trying to sell. So it was like now the owners yeah. are coming to us, seeing the opportunity. So it was just, um, yeah. it's gonna have, we know it's going to happen much sooner, but that was our goal. You know, I mean, we still have our housing number, you know, what we wanted to do 24 for the year. We know we're going to definitely surpass that, um, you know, because it's like what we, the program that we have, we're going to be able to, within a few months, you know, offer JV deals for people and, you know, give them, uh, provide that cash flow. So, um, nice. um, so, I mean, for us, it's, it's really now trying to shatter those goals. I like the kind of like the Grant Cardone thing, the 10 X and, and it's really, you know, really just happening, man. Just, just seeing to be able to amass because our goal is to become the largest African-American mobile home park owners in the United States. I like it. I like it. What does that process look to buy your own park? So, um, so it really, so it really is, is uh, it's commercial, uh, commercial property. So it's really, you, it's really, you're purchasing the land. Yeah. Um, yeah. and so, yeah, what that process is, what I love about it, banks are more likely to give you the loan because the cap rates, um, are like 9% and higher. Normally not between nine and 12. You have some as high, um, as like 15 and 20. Um, but, um, the finance and a lot of times you can actually get finance if it's an older park you get seller finance um so a lot of times you only need once you really only need that 10 percent uh we've been seeing parks in the range of for us um about five hundred thousand to a mil mm -hmm. so um man for us our goal is to get a, a park with at least 75 uh, lots on it yeah and if we can get that thing and if within the first um you know year year and a half at at least 90 percent occupancy that's some good some great cash flow coming in yeah nice Nice. What would you say was your biggest mistake in doing deals in your first year? Oh man. I, I, okay. So it's funny cause I don't say it's most, it's a definitely a learning, but I, I, for me, it was a time. So our first rehab took um, the rehab. Uh, well, no, I'm sorry. Our second rehab home. Cause the first rehab, we actually got that pretty quick. Our second rehab home, we had a, uh, a friend of the family that helped us, but he dictated our schedule on yes. when he could um, fix it. Mm -hmm. And I had to pick him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so, um, you know, we, we yeah, think about it. he he lived in Indiana, we're in Chicago. So I was going from a different state to pick him up, then to go another two hours. And we were only, he was only able to work on Sundays. And that kind of cost us money because mm -hmm. um, time-wise, you know, we had to end up paying the park, our lot rent, and that rehab took over two months. So. You know, if I'm, instead of just trusting and just maybe putting an ad out to, you know, actually get another handyman or somebody that it was just like, we were just, I would, you know, we were kind of stuck on it. 
And I think that was just a mistake because time-wise, we could have sold that house for yeah. more. We ended up dropping the price a little bit more because we kind of wanted to, you know, get, cut our expenses down. So honestly, I would say that to me, that was one of our biggest mistakes of just not just trusting and say, hey, let's find somebody else who can do this, get this work done. Um, you know, just trying to be nice too, like, oh, you know, it's a friend of the family, but right, and also trying to save money, just mm-hmm. to jump in because I was going to say that same mistake, yeah, definitely. You know, mm-hmm. starting out, definitely just trying to keep it more in house to save that money on labor. But now we know, like, it's okay to put that ad out because it's, I mean, you can find handyman right there that lives on the mobile home park, so I mean, it's so convenient. Yeah, yeah. One thing I like about the mistake question and just mistakes in general is usually like when you make a mistake, you create a system and you stand firm in that system. So now it's like, you know that you're not going to hire the homie that is going to do it for less work because you know it's not worth it. And so that allows your business to improve. So mistakes aren't bad things. Mistakes actually just kind of sharpen the edges and refine you and smooth out the edges. And I think that's really important because there's things you're going to get. It's not going to be a fun first year, but it's going to be a very informative first year. (laughs) So like, I mean, I've had examples where like our first rehab, we did it where we, we got a number, but we didn't get a firm number on a contract. And so in order to finish the deal, he was like, Oh, I need another 4,000. And so now I don't do anything unless I have a line item contract. And then another thing that I learned is the reason why line item contracts are so important is so that I know and he knows what I expect because we had a situation where we hired a guy to do a property and create a turnkey property. Turnkey to him was everything inside of the door. Turnkey to me was everything, including the, including the exterior. And so because we didn't have a line item bid, we just had like a contract that did have some things outlined. Like there was miscommunication there. And now I know going into future rehabs, why that's important. And so I bring that up because they're mistakes, but they're really just lessons. And so as an employee, you're not allowed to make mistakes. As an entrepreneur, mistakes just make you better. Yeah. And year, year two, you have systems in place. You have this going for you and you know why it's important. And I think that's so key. I think we, we should probably try to run more towards mistakes and not away from mistakes. Because it's not fun. It's not comfortable. It hurts. You lose sleep. It's frustrating. But that pain is going to push you to, towards your purpose. How do you guys determine the value of a home when you're buying it and with knowing that the value is going to be like after you rehab it and sell it? Are you guys doing comps kind of similar to how people would do like real estate, real estate, or is it the same process? Well, I love that you asked that question. So honestly, when we first started, and honestly, even now, we determine the value. Like, we might, I might ask a park manager, like, how much you selling your home for, or how much you rent your home for, and whatever he tells me, I'm adding a premium price to that. Because I, nice. we know we only need one person. Yeah. And and so we may consider them a cop, you know, we can say, park, are we competing with a park? But in all actuality, our guerrilla marketing tactic is just bringing in more people. And we get people in faster sometimes than the parks. And we've built those relationships where, you know, the parks are actually showing our homes as well, um, you know, when they show people homes. But when it comes to the value, first thing, for the long term, I, f- I found out what's the, what's the average apartment rent. So whatever the average apartment rent is, um, I base that on whatever the lot rent is. Lot rent, we're not, if it's higher than like $550, we're, we really don't deal with those parks because we want, we want more on our margin. So the lower the cost, so if it's a 200, so let's say lot rent is $200 in that area, and the average rent is 800, then I know I can go get another 600, 650, because, you know, some, they're willing, they're already paying 800, you know, I mean, $900 in their, in their apartment. And my, you know, our sales is, why are you, listen, why are you continue to rent when you can actually own this home in five years? If you, and let this be your starter home, right? Because here's the thing, your credit might not be too good, you, you know, you, you, your landlord, you, you're renting, you got people living upstairs, you got people living downstairs, get your own asset, build your credit up in these next five years, pay low cost, and now you have this, and we'll act, and then we'll tell them, hey, you can come back to us, and we'll show you how to sell this home if you want to sell your home. Mm-hmm. Are you guys able to command a premium price because of the rehab that you're doing, or how does that, or just because you guys just feel like you deserve a premium price? 
Yeah. <laughs> so for us, we we, we uh, not only do we they feel we deserve premium price because we know we, we're providing home ownership within a very short span. Uh, we normally do contracts between three to ten years, um, depending on the, how new the home is. If we have something in the two thousands, we're looking to do it like a ten year term. Um, older homes, eighties, we're, we're we're doing you know three to five years. So um, you know, I mean that like for for us that premium is just, just the fact that like where can you go get where can you own your own home in three to five years or 10 yeah. years um right. unless you have the cash it's not gonna happen so we you know we're saving you from that 15 30 year mortgage and again this is this is a starter home for you and, and you know you add you add value versus what somebody else telling you because like again like mobile homes do depreciate on paper but there's not a lot of people actually going around like in mobile homes with, you know, like, you know, with that, with the Kelly Blue Book value or something like that, you know, they're not saying, Hey, well, this home is worth this. They don't, they just want a place to live. And so the payments really work out because people still want to, they want to be renters. But then when you tell them, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to treat you the same way as a homeowner. That's more exciting for them. You know, they're like, wow. Like I never got this opportunity. And this is one thing I'm, I, I didn't share what I love about. We're not landlords. We're not. We, so when you on payments, when you on ter, um, terms with us, you you're responsible for everything, right? The only time we're calling you is if you don't pay by the fifth. <laughs> but, but other than that, we're not landlords. We're teaching them home ownership. We're like, hey, if you get a mortgage, you can't call and tell them the refrigerator's broke. You can't tell them there's something to leak. You got to be responsible. For and this is the responsibility that you have when you come into this rent-to-own situation. Wow. Wow. So you said it's wow. That's really dope. That's actually really smart. when we say this stuff, man. You guys, because you guys are basically a bank. You guys. Yes. Yeah. And that's one thing I've considered doing. I don't know why I haven't transitioned into doing it because, I mean, we have similar markets where we can buy properties for relatively inexpensive, rent it out for a good price. But it'd be better if we just flipped it and did home ownership as a route and we'd save our money on the maintenance, on the roof, and all that stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's actually a really good idea. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, is that something that that you guys were kind of pushed to do because of some parks not allowing you to rent directly to them, or is that just the strategy you guys decided to take? Well, that, actually, when we first started, we when we first learned, we saw that people were doing. They call it notes. Mm -hmm. um, they put mm -hmm. people on notes, and um, when we start looking at the numbers, like wow, like hold on, I can literally put like. Six thousand, you know, eight thousand. I can turn that eight thousand into eighteen thousand. Like it was just incredible. Mm -hmm. So every home that we market, we actually market on payments. But we, when we get cash buyers, they come in because we always put the we always put the the you know the price that we're gonna take for the cash. And uh, we, you know, we get people like, hey, I, I want it right now. I'll give you cash. And it was just yeah. like to us, whoever comes in there, they, if they get approved, if they get approved by the park, um, and that's a good thing. The park. What I love about the park has stipulations, which we run credit and we do background checks, but the park has stipulations that they have to meet to get in the park. So the cash buyers, we know, hey, they can say, we don't have to run their credit because they're going to buy this. It's going to be outright theirs. No, no, you know, no tax to it. So a lot of times those cash buyers are more, they're faster, you know, and they just, they want to get it right off their feet. So a lot of times we just end up, you know, we just end up taking that cash and then just trying to flip it and go, like, like you were saying, go get that two a month. To, to now to try to get two more homes on payments. Nice, nice. I feel like I've asked you all the general questions. Let's talk about the content that you guys are putting out and the webinars and the courses. What what does that look like for you guys? What all what's your your I guess your product suite look like? Oh no, great question. So the webinars, um, the free webinars, we always love having people on that. That is the introduction. Like we, yeah. we, we break it down. We let you, we allow you to see how many parks are in your state. So how much opportunity. We show some examples of real life deals that we've done. We definitely give you some history on it. Like a lot of people don't know Warren Buffett is, um, he invests in mobile homes and actually owns the largest um, mobile home um, company as far as like manufacturing. So he has an energy efficient home where he pretty much killed the game. He has over 30% market share. Um, then he created two mortgage companies because he realized that banks wasn't lending to people who wanted mobile homes. So he created two mortgage companies for people that are getting, who are getting the $70,000, $80,000, $100,000 mobile home. So, so much opportunity. 
um, and and just really just sharing examples of, of you know we do we do a few differences between you know if you were to buy a single family home versus buying a few mobile homes and, and, and the numbers and like that. So once people kind of get to see that, then it's like okay you know, the programs we offer, um, you know, we have live e-courses where, um, you know, we're actually going on live, um, you know, and we're going four or five weeks and we're teaching you literally how to buy, I mean, how to prospect, how to buy, how to market, how to sell your home, close a deal, reinvest, how to structure your business to be a, a, a mobile home dealer. Um, and then we also, next week, we have a, uh, this week actually coming up a two-day boot camp same structure um we got an ebook for people who are kind of more who more visual um and then we have a webinar series where we really touch over the base and gives if you're a seasoned investor you can take that in the book and actually be able to go out in the field and you know get started where can they find all that information yeah so they can find it on our website so that's going to be uh, mobilehomeeliteinvestors.com and then also on our instagram at mobile home elite investors and we have that link in our bio so i have some questions that i have on instagram i need to pull them up really quick i, I mentioned that we're going to be interviewing you guys today and so people have some questions just going to read them verbatim so if they make sense great if they don't we'll make sense of their question that didn't make sense okay this question says on average, if you buy raw land and put a mobile home on it, what kind of cost are you looking at? Good question. So, the, so you buy. So the first thing is 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 does that land is it suitable to have um, you know gas, electric, um, water? So if that land doesn't, then that's going to come in your cost. So I don't really have that number depending on what area is. Um, but if you already have that, you buy land and already has that hookup, you're paying just for the transportation of that mobile home, depending on how far the mobile home is coming. Um, we always tell people the mobile home can um, can range on the low end about um, about three to four grand to move, um, upwards to ten grand, depending on how far it's going. Um, the setup normally the same the the, the uh, mover they'll do the setup as well. Um, so I mean, depending on like I said, land all in um, on a on a good move, you can be you could be under about twenty to twenty five thirty thousand, especially if you have an older home. If you're having a newer home in the range of possibly eighty thousand or so, um, all in. So it, it really it really depends on your market. It really depends on you know how how much you're getting land for. Um, but you just still want to make sure those key things are also permits. The permits yeah, for the move, awesome. not expensive, but it's just a, it's a lot of factoring in like different costs. So we would suggest if you're starting for a, your first mobile home deal, stay in a park because a park will help you to actually know the rules. Park managers are very educated um, and that can help them as well. Can you place mobile homes on land bought in a subdivision? Ooh, that's a good question. You know what? I, honestly, I would say it. Well, it depends. Yes, it depends on the community. Yeah, it depends um, on the community, and if they'll allow that. Like, uh -huh. you have to go to the county to make sure that that land is permitted for that. But if they say it's a goal, then yeah, go for it. We have a. We know a lot of like mobile home subdivisions, but only like maybe four, five, six uh, mobile homes on the land. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I mean a double Y is more like a single family home, so. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah, but it would definitely be much cheaper if they were to do it. Like if they are able to do it, it would def definitely be cheaper. If you don't own the land under the home, where is the value in the property? So what I love about it is, is no, is no really, re we create the equity in this mm -hmm. versus, you know, like again, a, 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 a traditional home, you know, the, the, the neighborhood or so the comps in the area determines the value. Like, uh, like I said earlier, the mobile homes depreciate. So for us with the terms, our terms really create that value in, within it, you know, or I guess you could say the, the equity that we know we're going to receive within that home. Um, but yeah, I mean, honestly, um, if you don't own the land, then that's, that's why you're either getting that cash flip or to actually get that seller finance. But long term, like you're talking about, like after your terms, no. So that's why we, you know, we have that, those, those short term long, uh, those short more so short-term goals and slightly long-term goals with the, you know, five to 10 years. Nice. I'm starting to think that mobile homes being said that they appreciate is, is depreciate is a hustle because actual real property depreciates as well. And so 
it's like, what's the difference? I feel like it's a misclassification and that misclassification creates opportunity for you guys because you're able to buy something that has depreciated for a good price. But really there is a lot of value there because the value is just in somebody being able to have a home. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so I think that's very interesting. The next question is, I think we kind of discussed this, but sometimes I find when we ask a question another time, we get a deeper answer. But this question is, what is the average cost to buy and what are you looking for? Nice, good question. So the average cost, um, depending on your market, um, you know, like I know you, you're in California. So a California on a low end, California, you're looking at, you know, 10, 10 to 15. Um, you have markets where it's like we're in Illinois, we can buy homes as low as $2,500. Um, so it really depends on your market. We always tell people startup cash, um, at least seven to 10,000 um, starting up. And, and what was that second part of that question? I apologize. Um, what are you looking for? Oh, um, so yeah, fr- from there, I mean, what, what we're looking for is a part, like what is the apartment rent going in for area? And then what is the lot rent? Mm-hmm. If the lot rent is high, is no point. Like if here in Chicago, you have parks, um, and I get it because they're near sh- the Chicago land. The lot rent is seven hundred, eight hundred dollars. Like you, like you're in Cali and San Diego, it's lot rent that's going for eighteen hundred dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, so for us, we look at what's the most we can make on our margins. Yeah. Um, you know, for that home. Right, California is terrible. I feel like we've really cracked the code, and I feel like this is why. But this is why kind of like having limited resources and things available to you actually pushes you to think. And we don't invest in California. Like I would never invest in California because it just doesn't make sense. It literally like the numbers don't make sense. Um, of course, there's this idea that, oh, it's an appreciation play. And sometimes that works. Sometimes it doesn't work. Sometimes it works against you. But what I found is like there's a huge opportunity in living in a high cost state and then investing in low cost states. And I call it like, I call it the cost of living arbitrage because you make more money. And especially if you work with people who also kind of live in like New York or DC or Florida, or even like big cities like Chicago, there's opportunity in finding those little areas like in Memphis or in Baltimore, where you can take advantage of opportunities that people who, who live there can't really take advantage of. So it gives you an advantage. This next question is how do you overcome the depreciation of the asset? I mean, that's, that's a good question. Honestly, just by, by us determine the value. Mm-hmm. Um, that's right. That. that depreciation is fake, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we're not looking to get it bought out by a dealer. Like we're exactly. not, that's the thing. We're not looking to get it bought out by another investor because we are the investor. Right. So once we put the family in there, it's all about situations. You know, a lot of times families, like again, they, they either want that starter home or, you know, they're down, we get baby boomers that's downsizing. So they got the cash. They come in, like, you know, we say they come, you know, they're looking on Craigslist or something. They're like, well, hold on. This house, this house is pretty nice. They only want, they want 12000 for it? Oh, we got that. Let's go ahead and buy that. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and, you know, so, yeah. So. I feel like depreciation is fake. I feel like this idea that mobile home parks are low value is fake. Mm-hmm. I feel like saying that, like, parts in, because if you go to Detroit, if you're on one side of 8 Mile, it's, it's more affluent. If you're on the other side, it's not. But the homes are the same. But they, it's, it's fake, man. People want to dictate your value based off of like what benefits them, not on what your true value is. And you see that in the workplace. They're going to say, oh, well, you're worth 50000 You're worth 60000 Like, no. I tell my mom this all the time. I was like, they pay you 90 to 100 But you can make a half a million if you just chose yourself. If you just took your skills and marketed your skills to the world instead of marketing your skills to one employer, you can make a half a million. You can make a million. You could create opportunities for other people. I made more money last year doing consulting, doing all the things that my degree enables me to do than I did working a job because they have to make profit off of my time as well. When it's my business, I get 100% of the upside. I, I pay myself. I charge what I'm actually worth where I'm making 250 bucks to do an hour worth of work as opposed to making whatever I'm making there. So basically the whole point of this rant is that don't let outsiders dictate what you're worth. Don't let the government dictate what you're worth. Don't let anybody but yourself dictate what you're worth because they're going to lowball you and they're going to take your stuff and they're going to charge you double for it. (laughs) Preach, bro. Preach, man. This is a good question. I think this is going to be the last of the Instagram questions. And this is what issues have come about 
that you would say are unique to mobile homes? I, I one right now we're dealing with, um, and I, and I know this can how ha- it can happen in the housing sector, but um, like the the pipes. So yeah, I think it's about the pipe. So the piping is above ground, right? It's right under the home. So we bought a home like right before I know you guys oh, probably yeah, heard yeah. The whole, like that polar vortex. Yeah, we yeah, we got a home, and I wish well one thing again a minor mistake the seller didn't winterize the house. Mm-hmm. So when we got it, we were actually going to do the winterize. We we're going to get the house winterized, and the next day that that negative 14 degrees, feeling like negative 40 happened. Pipes, all our water froze. <laughs> and um, when you talk about something that was just like, okay, like what's next? Um, yeah. It was too cold to get people under the house <laughs> to, <laughs> to go check it out, to even go look at it. Um, and I mean, that was something that we, again, since this is our first year, this is our first winter actually really right, dealing right. with. Mm-hmm. So that was a curveball from there. And, you know, just um, getting quotes and everything. Um, again, that was, that was pretty different. I think mm-hmm. with a traditional house, you know, you hear about pipe freezing, but it might take a while. Like that stuff froze like that. Instantly, like instantly. Yeah. Water worked one day, the next day it didn't. <laughs> so what, how'd you guys get around that problem? You just had to wait it out? Yeah, so yeah. we waited, waited it out, tried to wait to get warmer, things still. So we ended up finding that we did have a, a pipe busted. But the cool thing about a mobile home, a quick fixture, um, got a guy in there for 150 bucks, um, and you know, went ahead and took care of it. And now, literally, Sharnice has a lady. She's going to be getting on the first of April. Yeah. Nice. We we had a situation like that too. We own homes in Michigan, so that was right in the lane of the polar vortex as well. And of all the home, of all the homes that we own, only one had a pipe issue. We sent the guy out there; he repaired it. He wasn't doing anything, and it cost us um, about the same, about two hundred bucks. But I think what's really important about that is the fear of what can go wrong can keep people on the sidelines, and then also this enlarged idea of how much it's going to cost. Because you hear pipes burst, you're like, man, that's thousand, two thousand. I don't got that kind of money. And you look up, it's two hundred bucks. <laughs> so I think that's what makes this show important. That's what makes other platforms important because it exposes people to the realities. Maybe the reality is that their landlord doesn't want them to know about because they want to keep them renting, and so they'll blow up these issues and make it seem like, man, I got to repair the pipes. It's this, it's this. I got to play the plumber, and it's. It's, it's doable. It's attainable. Not just that, but the home ownership aspect of it is doable and attainable too. A lot of people remain renters because they're afraid of the repairs and they don't realize that the repairs are manageable, but also as an owner, you're going to have to prepare for the unexpected, meaning that your lifestyle is going to change. But that's not a bad thing. You just got to, you might be able to not eat out as much as you want because you got to put some money aside so you can protect, protect your asset. But very cool conversation. Um, I'm going to end with the wrap-up questions, um, unless there's something I missed that you guys want to talk about. Uh, man, I just want to tell you, man, your your platform is amazing. Right? Like, yeah. yeah, I'm definitely, I, before we get I want to acknowledge you for what you've done, for what you're doing, and where you're going to go with this. Um, and so much, you're providing so much opportunity. Um, again, man, like, even, I think people really need to hear your story. Again, not being complacent and going <laughs> alley to the Midwest yeah. to invest. Um yeah. I mean, with the platform that you're providing, like we're truly thankful, you know, yes. for, for, for the things that you've been able to just, you know, display for us. And man, brother, like seriously, like truly acknowledge you for your greatness and your power. And uh, man, like that's that's what I really wanted to just bring out. You know, I know we're yeah. going to wrap it up soon, but no, seriously, like Charles, mm-hmm. man, like you're a powerhouse, bro. And I'm excited to see what your next five years is looking like as well. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. That means a lot. What is your favorite business book? Mm-hmm. I, I would have to say, of course, um, that changed my whole perspective was the Rich Dad Poor Dad. Um, you know, I read a lot. Of, I read a lot. Yeah. I'm more of an audio book guy, but it, that's the first book that comes to my mind because that gave me, I think, two, 2016 that changed my perspective and put me like, man, I'm in this rat race right now. <laughs> you know, when I, I was working my nine to five, I'm like, I'm in this rat race and I got to get out of it. Yeah, me, like, I did Rich, Rich Dad Poor Dad as well, but really one of my favorite books is a book called No Excuses, and that's a book that I started reading when I first started this journey, because, again, I had to get out of that 
that fear mindset, that complacent mindset of that just, okay, nine to five, because I knew going into this, like I couldn't, it was no excuses. Like it was gonna be a hustle. Like I had to make sure that I hustled and to make this work. So I would say that's one of mine. Who is somebody that you look up to and why? That's a good question. So um, I got I got two. Uh, of course, my, my father, uh, my father is huge. My father has the, the biggest heart in the world. That's my Superman. Um, I mean, when you, when you talk to me, you pretty much, it's crazy now. Like I look at times and I hear him talk like, wow, like, you know, just seeing where, where you know, charisma and all that kind of stuff comes from. So, I mean, really, I mean, just, just seeing what he was, you know, able to do for the family and what the groundwork he put. And now, you know, look to see how he's proud of myself. And then, um, man, from afar, man, I've always, Eric Thomas, man, Eric Thomas, motivational powerhouse, the passion, the drive that he has, even though it's different from, you know, what we do, like, um, I started like my first, I became a life coach um, in 2017. So really just being in that personal development space, he was a person from far that it was just like, you know, that looked like me, that talked like me, that really gave me just like, man, like, like she said, like really just that no excuses and then that dog and right. that helped me really develop to be, become fearless. So when I took on to this, I came into to real estate, like, oh yeah, let's go. <laughs> like no excuses. Right. right. Yeah, definitely. And for me, I would say, I would say really my father. And I say him because of just how he was able to push me through this. You know, a lot of, a lot of people when they transition, um, especially for myself, you know, sometimes you don't have that support, even from your parents, when you tell them like, yeah, I'm not going back to work. They're like, what? <laughs> like, they kind of give you that what? And, you know, really like, I, man, like I commend my father because he always believed in this. Like he, it was, he was in, I mean, he's the one that helped us with our initial rehabs at first. He was the one getting on the road with us. So man, like I just, I look up to him for just continuing to push me and say, Hey baby girl, you doing this? Like we going to do this. You're going to make it work and we going to show your mama. And now mama mm-hmm. is all game and she's right, in it now right, too. Right. You know? <laughs> man, that's, that is so crazy. The parent aspect of doing all this. Yeah. Um, and it's not it's not just our culture. I have a friend. He's from Pakistan, and um, he's in my MBA program. And he decided to launch his own business. And his dad was like, "Oh, it's not going to work. Oh, it's going to be hard. Oh, it's going to be risky." And if for anybody out there who's going through that, just know it's a common thing, yeah. and it is possible to push through it. Um, I've had the same situation when I've taken risk, and people tell me it can't work, tell me it's going to be hard, all this and that. And I think that the best way to kind of show the West, the best way to prove them wrong is to do it and be successful. And then as it's successful, then they become believers. Yeah. Um, last question is what does wealth mean to you? I love it. So for, for me, uh, wealth definitely first, first and foremost, wealth is health. Um, that's, that's, that's so huge. I know the, the more I take care of me and pour into me, then the more I'm able to give and to create, you know, and, and attract money and things mm-hmm. like that. So for me, yeah, my biggest thing is wealth is health. Uh, my health is so, so, so important. Um, and, and it allows me to show up and to go out and to create, just be a creator. I'm naturally a creator. Um, and man, so that's, that's really it. I, I mean, of course, you know, when you think of the, of the monetary game, um, you know, you, you hear like my, like my goal and my, now, I don't like calling the vision board. I just, it's just my goals. My goal is, is 8 billion. Like that's my mm-hmm. number right there. And, and, and just really being able, the amazing part is like Sharnese knows that we looking at, I, I'm a madman with papers and I'm at, yes. I, I'm at right now four. <laughs> like I, I know how to get that four. So now, and then these next 10 years is creating that other 4 billion to get to that. <laughs> Yeah, and for me, I mean, what wealth means to me is really, it it means my legacy. Like, you know, it's something I think about every day is that generational wealth. Like, I know what I want to accomplish in these next five to 10 years. So really just continuing to build on that wealth to make that happen. Awesome, awesome. Very cool. I appreciate you guys for coming on the show. Um, Where can people find out? Um, where can people find out more about you? I know we've discussed, but I kind of want to circle back and say it again. Where can we find out more about you on the internet? Um, any programs you have going on? Promote everything you guys have going. Nice, nice. So, um, so you can definitely find us. Um, definitely want to check out the website, www, uh, www.mobilehomeeliteinvestors.com. 
Um, we are heavily active on Instagram. Yeah. That is at Mobile Home Elite Investors. Um, also, like us on Facebook at Mobile Home Elite Investors. Subscribe to our YouTube channel so you get more in depth and um, we dig in some deals. Um, that's MH Elite Investors. You want to hit that red subscribe button once you come on there. Um, and as well, um, we do um, email us. Um, right now, we're at the MH Elite uh, Investors at gmail.com. And as far as products, um, this upcoming March 16th and 17th, we have a live two day boot camp. Mm -hmm. um, which is we're, we're, getting, we're on the Zoom platform and we're showing investors how to start, how to get started, um, how to buy and sell and, and, act, and, and reinvest in mobile homes. Um, we also have, we're launching, um, actually, we might have to put, we were going to push that date back March 15th, but we're still um, on pace to be launching our e-course on March 15th. That's going to be available. Um, we're going to have two. So if you're a Facebook person, we're going to have a, a secret group that you go on Facebook and actually learn that course and also on Teachable as well. That will be in our, on our website and as well as on our um, link tree in our, um, on our Instagram. Mm -hmm. And then we have an ebook, um, how to buy and sell mobile homes. That's available if you're more the visual person. And then we also have a webinar series, um, which we actually be revamping and giving yeah. you guys more instead of compile we're actually going to separate them. So now you can learn how to fix and flip a mobile phone, how to actually, um, to how to structure your deal. So that way we're breaking down and, and allow people to, to get more. Um, and we do it at affordable. These are low investments that we're mm -hmm. talking about for our programs, because we want as many people to get the ball rolling in 2019, but not going to be low as long, but <laughs> you know, but we want to, definitely, uh, you know, get some, get some people rolling, get, get some great testimonials and, 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 and just build this community. We look at it as a family. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So we'll have all those links in the bio. Um, one thing I wanted to say is it was so interesting because mobile home investing has always been a strategy that I knew had to work on a numbers perspective, like just looking at the numbers it had to work. And so when I came across you guys page, it was great to see that um, you guys are doing it. You're successful doing it. And you built a really cool brand on top of doing it. So there's so many options out there to create wealth people. Um, it doesn't just have to be what people tell you that you can do like, Oh, get an FHA home and uh, house hack it. Like, yeah, that's a way, but there are other ways. And I was telling somebody like the only thing holding us back is our mindset. Like you don't have to, you don't have to buy this fourplex, eightplex, whatever you're looking to do that you think is the way, because bigger pockets says it's the way. There's other ways out there. These people will they prove it? It's it's definitely more than doable. Thank you guys for coming on the show and taking time and just being super. It's just it's funny because not really funny, but you guys just have a great personality. You guys um, always have like a positive response to anything I say. So I was like, man, I would be late. Like, don't worry about it, man. We're all we're all having issues with the time. So. Yeah. That's really cool. I know you guys are going to go really far. If I can help in any way, if this platform can help in any way, that's what we're here for. Um, we're here just to elevate the community as we all, as, as you win, we win, as I win, you win. It's all connected, man. So this has been episode number 95. We have all the links in the show notes. If you are looking to work with us either through the investment club for stocks or for real estate, email us at membership at capital you can also check out the website where we post a blog about once a day a podcast once a week um, we're also on youtube we're doing a lot of great things and just trying to work with a lot of great people and doing this to further the culture because we believe that business and investing are the true keys to financial success and generational wealth my name is charles oglesby also known as todd millionaire signing off